Hello everyone, I'm Ronnie McBrayer, and you are listening to Keeping the Faith. On this podcast, you will find my regular talks, the occasional interview, hopefully a little light from the Enneagram time to time, and hear conversations with friends on the ever-changing, ever-evolving nature of faith. If you are burned out on religion, to quote Eugene Peterson's marvelous paraphrase, but faith is still important to you, or if you consider yourself a spiritual exile with no real place of belief to call home, then I have you especially in mind, and I hope you'll stick around. Evil is not the product of a conspiratorial horned creature that somehow lives in the undercrust of the earth. If only it were that simple. Evil is the product of the human ego running wild and unchecked in the world. It is a warm September morning here in the Florida Panhandle as I put together the final touches on the edits here for this second talk in a series entitled Try Something Different. Surrender. I hope you enjoy these talks. I have really uh, enjoyed putting them, putting them together. I've got the assistance of Toby right here beside me. He's in the big comfy chair eyeballing me as I cut and paste. And as always, thanks to Tim, to Bobby, to Garrett, and to all who helped record the original version. And I hope you enjoy these series of talks. Without further ado, this is my talk, Try Something New, Surrender Part 2. I'll be traveling to Clinton, Maine later this week, where I will have the privilege to share a few words of remembrance in honor of our friend Dan Palladino. Dan was literally a mountain of a man, but as gentle as a lamb. And I think the only thing broader than his shoulders was his heart, his willingness and his eagerness to help others. Dan did what he could here, helping others when the Gulf Coast was his home, as he and Paula were regulars here at A Simple Faith. He was a paramedic, a teacher, a father, a grandfather, a missionary to El Salvador, a veteran of the Peace Corps, an ambassador of goodwill. Dano, as everyone seemed to call him, just wanted to know how he could help. Thirteen years ago, his wife, myself, and my wife Cindy came up with this kooky idea that we would ride our bicycles across the state of Georgia. Bicycle Ride Across Georgia, known as BRAG, is an annual charity event raising money for Special Olympics of Georgia. And I had done it in the past, and Paula had completed a similar charity ride in Maine, and Cindy was game, so we all jumped in. Dan was not a bicycle rider, but he was the master operator of a SAG wagon. In the cycling world, SAG stands for support and gear. Someone has to bring along all the extra tubes and tires, our tents and our blow-up mattresses for when we camped each evening, our water and our food supplies, and Dan was made for just such an assignment. We would break camp before daylight each morning so we could finish our 70 miles or so before the afternoon Georgia heat made cycling across the blacktop even more of a hellish scene than it already was. Dan would then load up the tents and the chairs. He would go fill up the coolers with ice and water and buy a 12-pack to be split between us all at the end of the day. 
and refill our snack supplies. And then he would go find a shady camping spot for the night, set up everything he had just torn down, and make a virtual nirvana for we weary riders when we arrived. Seven days and nights he did this until we had covered 500 miles from the Georgia mountains to St. Simon's Island at the coast. I cannot begin to tell you how much confidence having Dan made us all feel. No worries about breaking camp and hauling gear, a place to collapse, a cold drink waiting on you, restaurants and watering holes already scouted out by him for our evenings, always under some shade, always enough ice to pack ourselves in if we had wanted to. He had first aid kits and even an IV for those really rough days. We could not have done it without him, and maybe having him around gave me too much confidence. Having completed this ride a couple of times in the past, I was eager to coach and help these rookies along. Okay, Cindy, okay, Paula, do this, don't do that, be careful over there, if we get separated, meet me here. There's a long, lung-busting hill today at mile marker 43, okay, be aware. As you descend into Macon today, it's steeper than you think, and there's probably going to be sand in the road. Be cautious. And if Dan was the ever-supportive master of the sag wagon, I was the ever-faithful bird dog, pointing out all the trouble that was ahead. And I was really quite proud of myself, getting my two companions, my little harem, safely across Georgia with a thousand other riders. The proverb says, pride goeth before a fall. It was Friday, we were deeper into Georgia than William Tecumseh Sherman. The land had finally grown flat and somewhere outside the sprawling village of Jessup, Georgia, a couple of yellow jackets got inside my cycling shorts. I learned three things in that moment and the moments that followed. Number one, your dearest friends, the ones riding with you and supporting you will sometimes laugh at you hysterically while you suffer. Number two, Cindy McBrayer truly loves me. Who else would pull water from her camelback reservoir and spew it out of her mouth onto a yellow jacket sting on somebody's backside while a watching world passes by in wonder of what they are witnessing? And three, it is quite impossible to maintain any sense of pride, ego, or dignity when you are crying on the side of the road Wearing a bicycle helmet, but no pants. Dan took pictures that day. I will reacquire those in Clinton, Maine this week. <laughs> Going to miss that guy. Last week I began a series of talks entitled, Try Something New, Surrender. Surrender is the one spiritual discipline. Surrender is the giving up of your own way. It is the daily cross to carry. It is the letting go. It is the loosening of your grip. The resignation of your place as would-be controller and manager of your life. Surrender is the handing over of the keys. The releasing of the steering wheel. And the climbing down from the driver's seat. You heard Eugene's pattern. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase once again today, anyone who tends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. 
And last week I talked about how suffering is usually the instigator, the beginning of how we learn to surrender. Be it sickness or failure, be stings or loss, when we come up against something that we can't do anything about, if we will let that something do its work, it can force our hand into surrender, even if it's just a little. Suffering takes from us, if we will allow it, what we need to let go of. This is the answer in part to the how. Yes, we know we need to surrender and let go a little. We want to do it, but how do we do it? And it's not by running away from or fighting against all of our difficulties, but by letting those difficulties do the hard work of taking from us what we can't seem to let go of ourselves. I'll quote Gary Fleming. Gary and Rhonda are just the most beautiful people who have made their home here in Santa Rosa Beach. They have been quite ill with RSV for the last couple of weeks. Not COVID, thankfully, but RSV is bad enough. But they are finally on the mend. We've been communicating a little lately, and he said the wisest thing to me this week, I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. Surrender is just like that. Learning to let go is just like that. Listen to wisdom. Stick with it. Read these words each week over and over again about how we have to give up the driver's seat. And maybe we will begin to understand. As it's explained to us, maybe the understanding will take root. And we'll find ourselves on the way with Jesus instead of going our own way. But back to bee stings. To go with Jesus requires indeed the giving up of your pride and your ego. What is Jesus after from you? What does God want from you? How do you experience true transformation? How do you steward this pain and suffering in your life? And the answer to all of these questions is ego. Your pride. Your vanity. That is the biggest barrier to your own spiritual development. It's the biggest roadblock preventing all of us from following Jesus. The Greeks called it hubris. Hubris was an act of violence originally. It was sometimes used as a synonym for rape. In time it came to mean this violent assault against heaven. Hubris was the human attempt to take for ourselves what only belongs to God. Keeping the Faith is brought to you without ads or commercial interruption of any kind, except for this one invitation. I have friends who are inspired by what they hear from Keeping the Faith, and those friends support my work. But you can support this podcast as well by buying me a coffee. Buy Me a Coffee is a tiny little link where you can throw a few bucks into my tip jar and keep me busy behind the counter serving up the best episodes I have to offer. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com slash McBrayer and you can easily and securely donate to the cause. You can also go to my website, ronniemcbrayer.org and click on podcast. 
You will find several ways to lend a hand, and you can also choose your favorite listening platform, be it Apple, Podbean, or Spotify, so that you will never miss a single life-changing, day-making, death-defying episode. Thank you for being a regular listener. Sticking with the Greeks, the counter to hubris, this violent rise against heaven, was hummus. Where we get our word humility and, of course, hummus. What is hummus besides delicious, right? This chickpeas and tahini and lemon and garlic and maybe olives. And it's ground down into the consistency of mud. The word hummus means dirt. What has been ground down. And for the Greeks... The cure to hubris was hummus. If hubris takes us in this egotistical, swashbuckling attack against God in heaven so that we rise and so that we become the most important thing, then humility, hummus says, stay grounded. Mind your place. Remember from where you come. That we are all made of hummus, dust. That's what we are. Stay grounded. Hubris, to the point of today's scripture lessons, is nothing but the devil in disguise. Pride, an old King James word, vainglory. If we can be so bold is satanic. That's the common denominator in the two texts today, of all things. The devil. Am I saying we should still believe in the devil? Yes, but not in the Flip Wilson kind of way. Now some of you are too young to know who Flip Wilson was. But Flip was a hilarious comic, the first African American to host a successful TV variety show in the United States. I just barely remember the Flip Wilson show. But I do remember an ever-enduring line from his skits. It started out as a skit about a preacher's wife who kept buying new dresses at the department store. And she would come home with an expensive dress and the preacher would say, you already got a closet full of dresses. Why did you buy another dress today? And the answer would be, the devil made me do it. And over time, uh, Flip would dress in drag as Geraldine Jones. You remember? What you see is what you get, is one of her lines. And the other one was, the devil made me do it. Every time she got in trouble. And some people believe in that devil. That the trouble I get into is the devil's fault. All the evil in the world must be of the devil. All the meanness in the world is from the devil. The coronavirus is from the devil. That's the devil some people believe in. But it ain't quite like that. Jesus and his brother James both speak of the devil in purely ancient Jewish terms. The word is Satan. Specifically, the Satan. 
with a describer at the front. It means enemy, accuser, antagonist. And in ancient Judaism, the devil, the Satan, was not a single identifiable person. It was a presence. It was a thing. It was a a spirit, a force, a movement. It was the allure to go against your conscience. You have felt that, have you not? It was this natural appeal within each and every one of us to side with ourselves, even if it hurts somebody else. And that's a whole lot more wicked than a mischievous guy with a pitchfork wearing a Halloween costume. The devil, the devil of James and Jesus, is the epitome, the living representation of pride and ego. When the devil makes you do something, it's usually your own vanity, your own ego, your own pride that causes you to do it. And this devil does not require an exorcism or a splash of holy water to get rid of. This devil requires resistance and crucifixion. To Matthew first, Jesus tells his disciples he is going to die. And Simon Peter will have none of it. Not on my watch, he says. It will never happen. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Get away from me, devil. Now, Jesus was not condemning the concern of a friend. He was condemning the self-protection, the selfish ambition within Simon Peter because old Pete saw Jesus as his ticket to the top. Jesus was going to rule the land and I'm going to be his VP. So you can't go on and get out there and get yourself killed. Or all of my plans will be down the toilet. He misunderstood that the way of Jesus is not power, it is sacrifice. And then to James, if all you want is your own way, you end up being an enemy of God. Well, that is sharpened to the bloody point. The solution is simple as James sees it. Let God work His will in you. Tell the devil no. And watch him make himself scarce. These two cases are object lessons in a greater story told time and time again in the Scriptures and in human experience. Selfishness and Satanism, if we could use that word, are identical. Pride is another word For the devil, evil is not the product of a conspiratorial horned creature that somehow lives in the undercrust of the earth. If only it were that simple. Evil is the product of the human ego running wild and unchecked in the world. Backing up, I'll read the last verses of James 3. And the first verses of James 4. This could have been written in the summer of 2021. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results. That sounds good, doesn't it? Only if you do the hard work of treating each other with dignity and honor. Do you think, excuse me, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels 
come from? And he answers. They come about because you want your own way. And you will fight for it deep inside yourself. You lust for what you do not have. And you are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours. And you will risk violence to get your hands on it. That is not an editorial in one of today's papers. That's the Apostle James writing about 50 A.D. This is what hubris does. It does what Jesus said the devil does. It comes to steal, to kill. Do you know the rest? And to destroy. That's the natural outcome of pride set loose in the world. What destroys marriages? It's not affairs or money problems or abuse. Those are symptoms. It is selfishness. What steals a sense of community in a church or in a Gulf Coast town? Somebody, usually a bunch of somebody's stinking pride. Why are so many people today at this very moment sick, hospitalized, and dying in this country? Because of loathsome, egotistical arrogance that is eating us alive. We can't even wear a fabric mask. We forbid it. When it's proven to slow the transmission of a deadly disease. How do nations fall apart? When the vainglory of the individual becomes more important than the well-being of the common good. Greed. War, violence, empire building, taking advantage of the weak and the marginalized, heartlessness toward the poor, the refugee, the widow, the orphan. It is all predicated on devilish pride and ego. And it does not matter if it's an empire that has spent maybe trillions of dollars and gallons of blood trying to impose its ideals on an ancient tribal society. If it's shareholders making a fortune off the backs of underpaid and overworked employees. Some CEO or celebrity pastor who thinks he should be treated like royalty or at least have a Gulfstream jet at his personal disposal. Or it's just like little old you and dumb little me throwing around our egos in the tiny realms of influence we have. I said it at the beginning, I say it again here today. Proverbs 16, 18 will ring true for as long as time is measured. Pride goes before destruction. And arrogance before the fall. But you don't have to fall down. Crashing and burning isn't inevitable. You just have to give up the driver's seat. Try something different. Surrender. This little story has circulated for years. The author is unknown. It is worthy of repetition. I used to think of God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there, but I really didn't know him. 
But later on, when I met Jesus, it seemed as though life was rather like riding a bicycle. But it was a tandem bike. And I noticed that Jesus was in the back helping me pedal. I don't remember just when it was that he suggested we change seats. But life has not been the same since. When I had control, I thought I knew the way. It was predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, it was all I could do to hang on. And even though it often looked like madness, he would laugh and say, just pedal. But I was worried and anxious. And I asked, where are you taking me? And he would only laugh, never give much of an answer. And I started to learn to trust. And when I'd say, I'm scared, he'd lean back with a smile and whisper, just pedal. I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought he would wreck it. But he knows some bike secrets. He knows how to make it bend to take sharp corners, jump to clear high rocks and fly to shorten the scary passages. So I am learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest of places. I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face. And when I am sure I just can't take it anymore, he will smile and say, just pedal. You have been listening to Keeping the Faith, the podcast home of yours truly, Ronnie McBrayer. You can follow me on Facebook or Twitter, whatever your socialization preference may be. At Ronnie McBrayer will get you there in either case. Visit my website at ronniemcbrayer.org, and there you can stay up to date. On my speaking schedule, books I have written, projects just over the widening horizon, and yes, you can find out more about me than anyone truly wishes to know. Thanks to Shutterstock Incorporated, located in New York City's Empire State Building, no less. For producing and licensing my theme music, Bobby Rains provides recording and technical expertise. Tim Riles created the Keeping the Faith logo and artwork. And Lynn Sunshine on My Shoulder Crow is credited with any and all photography. And as always, Toby and Mo, the two small wonder dogs that run my home, assisted with all editing. I'm Ronnie McBrayer. This has been Keeping the Faith. And I thank you for listening.